I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously and 6-1 since that matters and what do I even say other than hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better and dating safer. They've changed. So you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. I think the experience of being hired by a client to reenact the Revolutionary War was really interesting. I'm diking out, you're diking out. Let's dike out together. See what it's all about. Diking out, diking out, diking out. Hi, and welcome to Diking Out, a podcast that puts the D in BDSM. I'm Carolyn Bergier. I'm Melody Kamali, and today we're diking out with writer, sex worker, activist, and BDSM practitioner Yin Q. Hello. 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 So happy to have you here. Uh, before we get into things, a few quick announcements. I am reviving my Loves a Pitch show for Pride. It's going to be at Come On Everybody on June 23rd. And I'm taking applications right now through, I think, June 11th. So if you think you could be crowned uh, Pride's hottest catch, Please apply to be a contestant on this show, or you can just come and watch. We're going to have a, a fun panel. There's going to be a uh, hot performance by burlesque babe Ruby Quinn, and it's going to be a great time. Uh, Melody, you're going to be traveling and doing something for Pride? Yes. My lover Allie and I will be doing a weekend at the Comedy Bar in Chicago. Chicago listeners, Midwest listeners, if you're the area, definitely come to one of those shows. It's going to be two shows on Friday night, two on Saturday. And Allie's headlining. I'm featuring for her. 
Because <laughs> you're supportive. Yes. You're supporting her. You're Literally. a supportive partner. Love to hear it. Uh, I did forget to mention that Love's a Pitch. Uh, it is sponsored by our friends at Maker's Mark. Uh, always a great ally for us in the, the shows, Pride Month and beyond. Speaking of beyond Pride Month, Maker's Mark is also going to be sponsoring a party that we're putting on. That's right. It's not a comedy show. Melody and I... We're just going to have fun. Should we? I can't. Yeah. How do we explain this? Okay. It's, a, it's a Lilith, Lilith Fair, Fair karaoke. karaoke party. <laughs> Lilith Fair Karaoke at Good Judy, July 2nd. Save the date. If you're feeling the blues post Pride, we are going to do it up. It's going to be a theme party. We want you to dress as if you're going to Lilith Fair, as if you're a Lilith Fair artist. We're going to have karaoke upstairs. Uh, Lilith Fair songs only. Only. Maybe. I don't know. No, you can do whatever you want. Highly encouraged. Highly encouraged. If you don't want to be heckled or booed, it's going to be so much fun. Thank you to Makers Mark for keeping the party going past June. One last thing. uh, We put out extra episodes every week on our Patreon, patreon.com slash diking out. That's what keeps the podcast going every week is the support of listeners like you. If you're not a patron yet, please check it out. You can also get ad free episodes, uh, tickets to our shows, all sorts of great things. Things, so patreon.com slash diking out. Okay, that was a lot in terms of announcements. Yin, thank you for, uh, you know, suffering through that. <laughs> but like, don't those sound like fun things to do? Would you go? Yeah. Absolutely. I'm impressed. Also All right. by how, much, how much information you got into that short period of time. Karaoke sounds fantastic. I'll be there. You should come. Yes. We're hoping that uh, a lot of past guests come. We're going to try to get um, a musical performance, perhaps by somebody who performed at Lilith Fair, TBD. But you know, we have those contacts. All right. Uh, let's get into it gayest thing time carolyn yep what's the gayest thing you did this week gayest thing i did this week well on memorial gay which was yesterday so we are recording the day after memorial day uh i went to get my bikini line waxed something i normally don't do but i am going to girls in wonderland this week in orlando as you all know so uh i guess by the time this comes out i will have been wonderlanded fully and recovering but anyway i'm there and uh you know the waxologist uh was making conversation asked if i was there uh getting waxed for any particular reason if i had any plans and i said well you know i'm going to orlando i'm going to like this four-day circuit party but i didn't specify anything and she just kind of turned and gives me this look and she says i think i know what you're talking about and I'm like, do you? And she's like, I think so. I said, Girls in Wonderland? And she's like, yes. So now I know that the person waxing me is queer and awesome. And uh, <laughs> she has to move apartments, though. So she decided not to go, that it would be too much. And as I'm there, naked from the waist down with my legs like butterflied out, I'm like, do I tell her about the podcast. (laughs) Uh, I'm like, is it appropriate to be plugging my podcast? Do I tell her about the Stonewall show tonight? It is sold out, but she seems pretty cool. Uh, I don't know. And I decided against it. And now I regret it. I'm like, I think, you know, it's, it's her job. I shouldn't overthink it. She sees, uh, you know, genitalia uh, all, all day. That's, that's her job. So, 
I thought you were going to ask her out on a date. No, that something. would be inappropriate. Like, if you like what you see, my How? wife and I are open. <laughs> we didn't get that far. We didn't get that far. But, um, you know, if you're listening, you know who you are. I'm not going to say your name. I did say it on stage at Stonewall last night while telling the story. Uh, but I'm yeah, part of me was also like, do they already listen? Do they already know? And then they know who's vagina they're waxing right now and that's okay i'm okay with that um because she did a great job so that's the gayest thing i did this week was talk about girls in wonderland with my vagina out uh melody what about you what's the gayest thing you did this week i gotta go with our stonewall show last night hosting that of course um you were there too but (laughs) my gayest thing was after an incredible show of just dynamite performances it was probably our best show I, I think like, so. Ever. Um, so fun. We had Alana Glazer on the show, a personal hero of ours. Oh, yeah. Um, so like I within minutes after her set, we are backstage and Allie and I are showing her videos of Allie's niece that we're trying to radicalize. Who's coming out here <laughs> from North Carolina has a very gung ho Trump mom um very very fox news house and so we're gonna take her to wicked we're gonna take her down christopher street when she's here she's 13 um but when she realized we were together because i was supposed to be a buddy that's what we had to call each other right um her brother and this woman are now divorced but it was her rule we weren't allowed to reveal that we were together and she is kids are smart she figured it out and she communicated it through song and i think we've played the song on the podcast before yes yes ally melody they're together forever (laughs) nothing could stop them within minutes after alana finishes her incredible headlining set we are showing them our video right gay on energy love that (laughs) that's very gay also i think we should say uh Breaking news for the first time on stage, Alana talked about coming out as non-binary. Yes. So they, she pronouns. Uh, and that was really cool to witness what because when, uh, when they started talking about that, that was the first that I'd heard of it. And afterwards, uh, they were telling us that that was the first time they were talking about it. So probably more to come there. And uh, we think that she'll do the show again. I think they already said they want to do the show so stay tuned i'm like i'm trying to use they and she 50 50 is that the deal if someone's they she half the time do she half the time do they i use both they and she and i feel like it's it's just um like use they when you know whenever but for me like if you're using she as well that's fantastic and fine great well you heard it here that's the official way to handle it for everybody every case everyone's the same all right well now it's (laughs) now it's your turn in the hot seat Ian what's the gayest thing you did this week I think it was a lot less thrilling, but I do have to say I paused for a moment when I was ordering probiotics for my cat. And I just (laughs) thought this is really queer. um, But I was doing that in 
amongst while also creating an agenda for this coming International Whores Day, which is in uh, two days on June yes. 2nd on Thursday. And ah. I'm working with um, Ray Canary Song, which is um, an organization that I, I organize with, as well as Kink Out Events, which is another organization that I, I work with. And we are creating, you know, the mission, vision, values um, for Ray Canary Song for that day. That is like an annual meeting that we do where we meet with uh, sex working organizations throughout Asia, um, people from Hong Kong, Thailand, Korea, Taiwan, um, India. And so, uh, but amongst that, you know, top of our list is to go to nowadays uh, for the glitz and body hack party that's going to be. So it's basically like nice. work, but let's get ready and go out and put glitter on, go and dance. So that's that's probably the gayest thing that's coming up in a couple of days. Wow. Yeah. I didn't know about National Horrors Day uh, or else I would have planned something. Well, I guess I'm going to be having it in my own way in Girls in Wonderland, sure right? Are. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no. But but seriously, uh, we're we're so glad you're here to to talk about a lot of um, the things within what you mentioned uh, because you know before it feels like so long ago we used to have uh, a topic for each episode and I'm like we've never done a kink episode and uh, I famously opened up my marriage last fall and since then have been um, you know just like exploring a lot of things meeting a lot of people and uh, the kink community is something I haven't even dipped my toes in yet but it just seems like this fascinating world and uh, I just want to know more. I need more, more information. Um, so where do we start? Yeah, Where do we start? Where did you start? Where, yes. Tell us about your journey. Sure. My kink journey. Um, I think I started as soon as I learned how to kiss. Really, <laughs> I, um, You know, the beginning of, for me, just as sexual awakening was happening, like I was not thinking about like romantic, soft, you know, holding hands and kissing, um, or I was, but it like included holding like someone at the throat and <laughs> slapping or getting slapped at the same time. Um, so it definitely came from like this inner feeling like I wanted to wrestle somebody down or be held down. And, uh, you know, so, you know, skip a few years later so that I could find consent and the rules right. of BDSM, it became a lot more sane. Um, and I really learned the, um, sort of like the leather protocols, um, and, uh, not only the protocols, but also the, the way of the leather community, queer leather community. <laughs> Let's talk about the queer leather community because like, I guess that's the extent people are like, oh, leather. And I, I get like wearing leather, but like what what's all involved? What's actually considered the leather community? What's at play? Yeah. Every time I go to, say, a dyke march or something, I like you see a lot of dykes and leather harnesses. I've never explored why. And what's the extent of it? Yeah. Sure. So, I mean, it's based on, of course, um, you know, the inner desires of sadomasochism and do um, dominance, submission, role plays. So, but the community coming together is really um, like about any community, you know, it's like about finding each other, finding um, consent and finding um, just visibility with, with one another. And 
we have to also remember the history of how the leather community came together was from, um, you know, gay men being able to signal each other, especially through through motorcycle um, clubs and the leather that they were wearing um, and then really coming together more formally during the AIDS crisis and coming and creating pageants and community um, meetings so that people could give back to each other. People could like look after one another and that mutual aid could, could be dispersed throughout throughout the um, community. So I feel like there's been a progression since then, um, but we want to always remember where our roots came from, of like how we yeah. well, how we had to stick together to stay safe, how we had to signal. Um, and so I think that like within the dyke community now, um, there are some traditions that have stayed with us with like boot blacking, love for leather, um, love for service. And when I say serve, it's not just about submissives doing service, but tops also doing education, taking other, you know, taking people on to, to teach um, and kind of like schooling people on the ways of like how to, how to do things in a way that's healthy and sane. And, you know, <laughs> that makes sense. Um, so yeah. people don't get abused or, or um, hurt for bad, you know? Right. Yeah. You know, one question I have because I'm on um, the app field and there are a lot of people looking for different kind of kink stuff there. And a lot of people who aren't experienced are looking for somebody who's more experienced. And then a lot of people who are experienced are like, I'm not here to teach you. Uh, and like, if somebody's inexperienced, like what is the best way for them to go about finding someone who can show them the ropes? Is it hiring someone? Is it going to like a party or an event? Where do you start? I think all of those, all of the above, but um, lesbian sex mafia is the, one of the oldest um, leather, you know, um, organizations throughout the country and they are still going strong in New York city. And it's a fantastic um, space to, and they usually meet at the center, right. in you know, right in the village. So, and it's m monthly meetings. So you can go there, meet people, take classes. Um, they have great educators that come through. Um, so you can meet people to, just to, to explore with, but also to just to ask questions. Uh, workshops are happening all over the place through LSM as well as different, um, you know, there's a lot of different stores that have it, whether it's Purple Passion in New York City. Um, there's also a pleasure chest on the Upper East Side that has, has great classes, um, as well as New Women's Space. Uh, there's a lot of great yes. queer classes, you know, and great educators all throughout the city. Oh, I didn't know that they did stuff like that at New Women's Space. So I was just going to say, we love New Women's Space. I need to have no idea. pay more attention to the emails. One word that keeps coming up a lot is consent. I know, like, especially uh, during, like, Me Too and all of that, and people were talking about consent more, and I kept hearing so much about, like, how, like, look no further than the BDSM community for, like, the how-to on consent and enthusiastic consent. Sure, because, uh, so, for consent for us, it's not about just saying yes one time, right? You have to say yes so many more times, and also, you really have to sit down, and um, I tell people to, like, do their homework for themselves of actually writing down what they're interested in exploring so they understand all of the different topics within, like, um, within BDSM that you're, you'd be consenting to or not consenting to. And that's, like, a, a negotiation that has to happen because 
when somebody says that yes to, let's say, going into rope bondage, which can be done in very different ways, whether it can be done in like a very meditative way that feels like a yoga experience almost, or it can go into a highly erotically charged experience, or it can go into a um, like a mindfuck experience of, of captive role play. So you really have to understand what you're looking for and be able to communicate those things to your partner. And your partner has to also be able to communicate back what they will and won't do. Instead of just saying like, oh, yes, you're going to go into bondage. You also have to say, like, what are the activities that you're interested in in getting into? Because once you're in a submissive space of being in bondage, um, the mind can go elsewhere. You know, you can definitely get into role play of like where struggling up against the bondage can feel really good. Saying no can really be really safe, you know, be really fun for a role play. Um, So being able to have the parameters really clearly outlined before you go in, whether you want flogging, whether you want fisting, whether you want tickling, um, which, you know, that's my hard no is like the tickling, like is the tickling too far. Is fantastic, yeah. but tickling, no, you're not allowed to tickle me. I will, <laughs> I will probably puke on you, <laughs> you know? So there's, um, yeah, it, it's, it's about not just like saying yes once, but also getting into like every single detail. And this gives you the chance to really, you know, poke around to all the different fantasies that you have. And it's not that it doesn't leave things wide open because there are many things that can still be out in the open that you're not sure if you want to, um, want to delve into or not. Uh, but the ideas of like what you're really, really interested in, and then also what your hard, what your hard boundaries are, are formed. It seems so complex when you're starting out and trying to find a sex party to go to and, I was wondering if you have any like newbie mistakes or red flags people should look out for when they're trying to wade into these spaces. Well, you were speaking just before about um, being online and uh, noticing that a lot of people who are with experience don't necessarily want to be play, play you know, be teaching others. I would mm-hmm. say if you're going in as a newbie, to really keep an eye on the person who is always looking for the newbies, <laughs> you know, oh, so that's, okay. that's usually my first. And that's probably like, you know, a good, good warning for any, any kind of sex party, not just kink sex party, but you want to make right. sure that you're playing with somebody who has a really good reputation. I would say like as a newbie, go in first with friends and um, do platonic spanking, you know, do a little bit of play mm. and like get to know who people are throughout the scene before you dive in and, and let yourself be cuffed and taken away. By, by somebody that um, seems really, you know, hot and, re- hot and ready for you. Right. I said newbie, but I was curious if there are terms like that, like in the gay community, we have like baby gay, pillow prince, like are there kink specific? Um, wow, you're, t- you're bringing up two triggering terms <laughs> right know. off the bat. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, well, we've to look out for or... or or, or yeah, like like what's the lingo for for like a somebody that's new to kink? Um, yeah, I think it is newbie still. <laughs> newbie, okay, cool. All right. But Great yeah, shocking. yeah. Because I was like, kink is so cool, and I used newbie. That didn't, <laughs> okay, <laughs> I'm just just checking. <laughs> I mean, when I. I was getting into being a top, like I would call myself like a baby top or, you know, or baby bottom. Like, so it's really, I mean, not necessarily yeah. saying this is an age play thing. Gotcha. So if you're not, you know, haven't immersed yourself in the kink scene yet, you know, what is it that you see that is like really fascinating and yet may not like maybe too scary for you to, to dip your toe of why you haven't dipped your toe in just yet? 
So for me personally, I mean, there there's a couple things. One for me, when people are like, you know, what are what are your fantasies or like, what are you into? I'm just like, I don't know, good sex. Like, I don't have any that I'm aware of yet. So I'm like still on this discovery at this point, I guess, in my life, because I was all always like a serial monogamist and had like, you know, when you're partnered for a while, and this isn't true for everyone, but for for me in in past relationships, um, it was just kind of like figuring out the other person's code. And when we have sex, we know which which buttons to press, you know, to orgasm and and then and then we're good to go um and then it wasn't until I met my wife now um where when we first got together we started having a lot more like playful sex and like experimenting a a little more than like I had ever uh had before and then but just like never continued too far I guess into that journey, I guess, because we were both inexperienced, so we didn't know where to go. And I like there has been interest from people and having me dominate. And in my mind, like thinking, uh, I just feel like <laughs> oh, I'm so vulnerable right now. Um, I like when I'm like, I'm just like, what, what do I say? Like thinking of the things that I'm like supposed to say and supposed to do and do it with, with confidence. Like, yes, I feel like I am a top, but, um, I mean, I, I switch, but like, I'm, I'm happy to do that and I want to do that. But part of me is like, ah, what if I say something and it's like humiliating or I don't sell it or, you know, I just don't want to feel like foolish. I want to feel hot, you know? Yeah, I think that like, yeah, definitely practicing helps in terms of like how to right. how to how to get deliveries and um and this is like where it can be really fun too of say because we have to take like look at like any kind of activity that we would say is a dominant or submissive activity and really it's just all about the intention right if you were to um let's say even just like cook a meal right it could be some from a, like a submissive point of view where you're cooking your a meal, like a perfect meal for your dominant and it has to be perfect. And then there's like role play involved of like whether it is perfect and how it's served. Um, but at the same time, you can do the same thing in a romantic way as a dominant where you are creating the food and you are, ma- you, you know, you are making something that your submissive has to eat, you know? So there's yeah. like just way, different ways of actually taking a look at any kind of activity that could be on the plate that you think is really fun and then switching it to either you're a top or a bottom on that, on that activity. So, okay. Yeah. I think we're overthinking it. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm definitely overthinking it. And like, the more I think about it, the more I'm like, Cecilia and I already are kind of doing these things. Like we can get very playful in that way, but I guess because there's like no like formal education (laughs) behind it or instruction. And we're just kind of like feeling it out together and it's fun and we have a good time, but that's maybe, uh, yeah, it's the over, overthinking, um, 
that keeps us from going forward. But I know like there, there is some stuff like that. I'm like, maybe I could be into it, but I just don't understand it. So I'll, um, you know, be swiping on, on field and there's a lot of like Shibari, uh, pictures and stuff. I'm like, well, that looks cool, but what, like, (laughs) what do you do? Like, like you just get tied up is someone doing things to you while you're tied up or is it just like the sensation of being tied up or what's going on what's happening (laughs) (laughs) yeah well rope bondage is like you're going to see a lot of like really complicated um you know images online and it's not necessarily for the erotic field it's more like a circus performance right I mean it's beautiful and I do it and I love it too but it's like you're putting somebody into a circus de soleil um (laughs) act (laughs) rather than rather than actually going into heavy sex so both can happen most of the ties that, that you need to learn for just you know for some good sex are really really simple and that can be like you can go to like an intro class um at any of the spaces that I I had recommended before to find out how, but then like the, the reason why, I mean, it's the push and pull, right? It's the push and pull is for the submissive to be able to let go of control sensations that can happen where they don't have to feel like they have to um, reciprocate necessarily. And as a top, it's really about like, then you get to do whatever you want to this person whom you find really hot and attractive to. Right. And yeah. Um, so my biggest tip for all tops starting off is the blindfold. Okay. The blindfold is so essential because it allows you, it allows the, the bottom to really sink into what we call subspace, you know, to let go of control. Mm. They're not ch- clocking you. They're not like making sure everything's okay with you. Um, and then as a top, you get to make mistakes. And you get to want, look around and just be like, what am I going to use next? What do I want to do? Do I want to break out the ice? Do I want to break out the candles? <laughs> do I want to kind of pace around? Yeah, you yeah. can pace around. You can like tie a knot and untie it, make, you know, and so it's really stretch about you being able to just, yeah, stretch into exactly stretch into your own. <laughs> I love that. That is, yeah, that's an amazing advice. tip. Yeah. <laughs> Once again, I'm like realizing how much I've been overthinking this. Right. <laughs> or also thinking like I'm in a monogamous relationship and just assuming that this world isn't for me because I just associate it with a lot of people who are very open, literally open in their relationships, poly. But do you have any advice for couples who are both interested? Maybe one's more interested in the other. Okay. Um, <laughs> and how to navigate that? Yeah, I think that... Um I think that kink is essential for long-term relationships for myself. Um, and I really have seen it too, in terms of like, it brings about this charge that can happen between the two people without necessarily having like, for example, if you have a long-term relationship where you're at distance from each other, um, you can give each other assignments, right. Of like things to do, um, how to work, how to earn orgasms, how to, send each other photos, what you want to see the person, other person wearing, et cetera. Um, and it really keeps the charge also when you're going through life changes that like, and I'm just thinking, you know, I have two kids. So like babies, hormones, I'm in perimenopause now. So it's like those kinds of things like have still kept it going because as my body has changed from, you know, wanting it all the time to like, Hmm, you know, 
I could yeah. sit here with a cup of tea and tie you up, but not, I'm not necessarily full body into this right now. It's more, yeah. I'm full mind into this. So I always tell people, you know, even when my kinky, even when my, my body doesn't feel kinky, my brain always does, because it can be like, the great thing about kink is that you can just constantly find a storyline. You know, so if you're a storyteller, if you're like love to be creative with things, if you like to do projects, um, then this is for you. You know, it's really like you get to choose like, okay, how am I going to like make you into my next project? (laughs) Like, what are we going to do to you? Yeah. You know, I love that. You always talk about how lesbian culture, there's stereotypes of us being very crafty and knitting. But I think that's the crafts, arts and crafts I want to get into. Oh, (laughs) all right. That sounds fun. What are some common misconceptions about kink and people who are into kink? Well, there is the misconception that we're all poly. I mean, I happen to be. <laughs> but, My bad. <laughs> but but uh, there's a lot of people who are monogamous in the in in the scene. Also, think that like there are ways of playing with kink that are very platonically done, which are erotically charged, but aren't necessarily. Um, like fully consummated sex, like genital sex. Uh, yeah. So that when I consider myself poly, it's that I play with other people, I'll put them into rope, but I might not necessarily go and have sex with them. I probably won't actually at this stage, you know? And so there, so understanding that kink can be as erotic as like flamenco dancing, right? With somebody where you're like dancing incredibly intimately with somebody, but you don't quite, you know, have the sex or you don't quite kiss or whatever it is that, whatever boundaries that are like within your play. um, So it is not necessarily about a whole bunch of swingers just, you know, jumping into the mattress together. Yeah. Yeah. Not that there's anything wrong with that either. You know, mattresses and uh, sex club mattresses is fine, too. Yeah, I went to last summer a barbecue at a lesbian's house. And so it was just a mostly lesbian group. But someone showed up with the ropes and then suddenly, casually, everyone started tying each other up. (laughs) And (laughs) it was was like, no, no one was having like genital sex, obviously, out in their backyard but it was just happening so naturally and everyone was having fun but there was a group of straights um in the corner <laughs> Uh-oh. so uncomfortable and i was like oh do we need to ask them for consent for doing this sort of in front of at them? them yeah it's going to be a knitting circle where we're knitting each other <laughs> yeah <laughs> right yeah enough said <laughs> are you ready to shop Rakuten's Big Give Week is back. Get 15% back at hundreds of stores, and it's all happening this week, May 6th to May 13th. It's the perfect time to shop for everything on your list for spring and summer, like clothing, outdoor gear, and travel. I know I'm using this week to stock up on some warmer weather essentials at Ray-Ban and Ulta, and I love that Rakuten even helps me save on travel at sites like Hotels.com. Rakuten really is the best way to shop, and you can save even more by stacking cash back on top of deals. Plus, during Big Give Week, that cash back is bigger than ever. With Rakuten, membership is free. And when you sign up and shop today, you get an extra 10% cash back boost. That's an extra 10% cash back on top of the 15% cash back. You won't see higher cash back rates than these. Go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app. R-A-K-U-T-E-N. 
Shoppers get it. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, I mean, I, I know of people who have been to, to sex parties and definitely do not have sex, whether they're just there to to meet people or engage in like a little bit of playful spanking and, and things like that, but, but not, um, having sex. And that's definitely not always like the, the expectation. Um, so I, I think that, yeah, a, a lot of these things can seem maybe like very overwhelming and that if you're going to do it, like you have to go to this like extreme place or something like that when it's really all about like whatever you're comfortable with right absolutely talk about some of the organizing you do with asian migrant massage workers sure that would be right canary song so um i organize with um collective where we are made up of asian american sex workers and asian migrant massage workers um and the reason why these two sort of groups have come together as body care workers um, who are organizing together uh, is because, you know, when we think of Asian massage parlors, um, so many people immediately um, immediately assume that they're erotic spaces, you know, that they're spaces that, that sex work is, being, is, is being done. And whether or not they're being done there, um, they're targeted as such, um, as we've seen through the past year's tragedies of, of shootings in Atlanta, um, yeah. as well as police raids that are constantly um, happening and throughout the city and still are, are still going on throughout our country in the name of like anti-trafficking work. Um, but they're targeting these spaces, assuming that there's sex work happening. And so we are coming together as, um, as allies to really fight this you know, carceral system that is constantly against um, the most vulnerable people within the Asian communities, which are, are Asian migrant, usually women, massage workers, and um, fighting for decriminalization of sex work, full decriminalization, um, yes. trying to educate people on, on understanding like how this will affect um, how this will affect the police raids that are happening also in massage parlors as well. I definitely go into uh, those spaces not assuming that there's sex work happening. Yeah. But then I always wonder, like, but I'm like, how do people know? Like, is it just that some places have 
like a, a whisper network that like, oh, this is the place you, you go for, for that. Because when I'm just on Yelp looking for a place to get a massage, I'm like... There's no button on Yelp to kind of <laughs> narrow your search in that way. No, there's, yeah. there are other online resources available for people who are specifically seeking out um, erotic massage work, let's say. Yeah. Um, but... Yeah, I think that there's a lot of people who go into these spaces um, and mostly I will say like cis men, right, are going into yeah. these spaces and assuming yeah. that there's there's erotic surfaces happening there. Right, right. Ah, oh, man, what a complicated world. <laughs> I don't know. When I when I think about like, yeah, there there's just so much so many layers to what those workers must be dealing with from just like a legal front, a harassment front, harassment from both clientele and police and law enforcement, you know, all of that. Um, yeah. And it's beyond, it's beyond harassment. I mean, the violence that happens all the time. I mean, we were constantly right. losing comrades, not only on the massage um, spas, but also sex workers altogether are, are caught between um, the police raids, the internet shutting us down, shutting down businesses. Right. And then clientele, but using that or weaponizing that against um, against us to you know to treat us badly, um, treat us poorly, as well as as you know much much worse. So yeah. that's why the organizing has to be like really strong, and we have to stand together to be able to to um, combat this. How can we help how can our listeners uh help be supportive of these communities of sex workers um i know that in some states there are uh, certain bills and, and laws that they can vote for or against and being educated about that but what what else can be done yeah besides um you know actually voting on the laws of like like we're campaigning right now to decriminalize unlicensed um, massage work. Um, there are numerous of other things, like how we look at how we uh, interact with people on a day-to-day basis and what comes out of our mouths and like what kind of media we consume. Because everything, you know, if we think about like where does um, this, this stigma against sex work come from, it comes from everything from media to our own slut-shaming of each other. So understanding yeah. like how in like our queer communities, are we still slut shaming each other? Um, how are we, our expectations of, of women still like constructed around um, whether they do sex for money or sex, you know, or, or how, how they interact with sex at all. Um, and like those, those opinions and like how we affect them. Um, and then you know, also like what, what are the, what are the spaces in media that we choose to choose to consume? And like, you know, if we have to hear more jokes about um, sex workers being killed or sex workers, you know, or just watching these things come up on, on media, um, right. that's, that's affected, you know, that's affects how we can um, help the community. Are there any good like documentary resources? I know I th- you're working on a documentary currently. Sure. Yes. I'm working on a documentary um, called Flying Power uh, for Red Canary Song to sort of to uplift the stories of several people within Red Canary Song's work. Um, There's also this fantastic documentary that uh, it's a mini documentary that it was just put out by Sex Workers Project called um, Sexual Healing. And that was produced by uh, Max 
Gaff and um, Zola Zola Royale. Um, and that's about the, you know, the, how sex workers are healers as not only healing themselves, but also um, how people, you know, healed each other and other clients. And I'm in yes. that too. <laughs> oh, hell A yeah. Little plug. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, I would also say, highly recommend the book, um, Revolting Prostitutes by Juno Mack, who is also, okay. you know, on Ted Talk that gives like, a, she gives like a really great um discourse on the political reasons why and also the socioeconomic reasons why we need to decriminalize sex work. What are you seeing in terms of maybe the, like the mainstreaming of kink? Things like choking now seems like something that's so it feels like every, everyone's choking. Everyone's choking each other. Whether they're doing it right or not. Everyone's choking each other. I maybe not. Do. Maybe do, is that is that just me thinking that everyone's choking each other? I've noticed more people, more tweets, more, or just the way in which people talk about attraction lately seems to be getting kinkier. That like, too. Yeah, the know, whole step on me. Step on me. Like, of it all. Some of the language I'm realizing Ooh. is changing around just like, I find this person really attractive. Seems to be borrowing a lot from kink, in my opinion. I don't know. Okay. I'm not, um, I'm not on Twitter, so I, don't, I haven't been keeping up with that. <laughs> Plus. Um, but that said, I welcome any, you know, anything to come from kink into the, into the light as long as it's done with the intention of like really understanding the consent that needs to be done behind it, because otherwise we're just, you know, flagrantly going into areas of abuse all over again, (laughs) you know, if if somebody is um, putting out there that they want to do kink to somebody, it, you know, it, yeah, I find that problematic. (laughs) Um, The fact that, you know, I've seen leather work come you know come into the mainstream many many times i've survived the uh the era of the 50 shades of gray so like it, after oh, that man. as long as you know and that of course right. we saw was very much a non-consensual relationship of like power dynamics that were also didn't yeah. um were abusive so <laughs> you know it, as long as we can get better than that then i'm 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 good <laughs> I, I was sort of thinking of the 50 shades of it all of like people running with narratives that they shouldn't really be owning. And then that becomes like the really popular thing. And then also if something does become more mainstream, then is it considered less kinky? No, <laughs> I, would say no. <laughs> I would say no because, um, because when you are actually being spanked, whether you've seen a lot of m- movies about people being, then your body is is going through that. If there's less stigma, less shame about being spanked or doing any kinky or sexual activity that you enjoy being done to you, um, whether it goes mainstream or not, you know you're processing it for yourself. You know, so I right. don't think that it becomes any less thrilling. Um, that's why sex still happens, right? <laughs> because, yeah. like, we can see as much porn as we want, but when you're actually doing it, it's it's thrilling. Yeah, yeah it doesn't take the yes. edge off. <laughs> we don't want to kink shame anybody, but I really want to know, are there any kinks along the way that you've discovered or learned about where you're like, huh, that's interesting? <laughs> 
not shaming, yes. just like, huh, um, would have never thought that surprising. was surprising. Yes. Yeah. Or, yes. I believe that there was, okay. So as a baby dom working in a dungeon, um, like a house dungeon where there's many women working together, which was a fantastic way to start because I've never been in a sorority. So I really feel like that was my sorority. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it was a fantastic experience. Um, And fully Daikon. I mean, like, I don't know how you can come out of a a dungeon experience and not be not be a full fledged Dyke. Um, But (laughs) I think the experience of being hired by a client to reenact the Revolutionary War was really interesting. And, you know, there's several dom- dominatrixes from the Bay Area who remember this guy. We would call him Revolutionary. Beep. I'm not going to say his name, but <laughs> but it was, he would hire maybe three to four people, um, women for the afternoon for like two to three hours. So it was good pay. Uh, he would bring these leotards but they were full leotards. It's not like there was like thong action. It was not like a, you know, a super revealing leotard, um, but full leotards that were either, you were either a red coat or you were a revolutionary. Um, and he would, you know, we would pretend to fire at each other, but just with our hands, like no firearms were involved. No hurting was involved, but, it was just like act after act, like every 10 minutes we would like restart and he would not, you know, he would not get any business on. He was just thrilled to watch it. No, like no touching himself, nothing else. He was just really excited to like watch us play games again and again. Wow. And we got paid well. So I'd have to say that that was the most interesting and yet like so not harmful, you know, (laughs) like like he's not hurting anyone, (laughs) you know, like literally not hurting anyone. And yeah, that was, that was probably the best, um, I mean, of all the wars to reenact, that's probably one of the better ones. I was just going to (laughs) say that. There are way worse (laughs) wars to reenact than the revolutionary. Well, what's Mm. interesting, too, is that the, um, the, um, the, you know, the liberty people (laughs) would actually be able to, like, um, overcome the Brits just by waving magic fingers. And that was, yeah. (laughs) Let's see. All wars should be this way. (laughs) This sounds way too wholesome. Send up the troops in leotards. Yes. And magic fingers to freedom. Perfect. I think we we solved world peace. (laughs) (laughs) All right. (laughs) Beautiful. We're doing the work. I imagine that more heteronormative kink spaces are very different than queer kink spaces can we talk about that yes it's been a long time since i've been in one so i don't know if they've changed maybe they have um i think that the heteronormative kink spaces are is the idea of you know even if a dom or a female is the dom you see the person still um, relegated to a certain role of being a dom that has to wear a corset and has to be in heels and like the sort of the Venus and furs um, idea 
of what it is to be a dom, that it is the male participant who's placing that female on a pedestal and giving that person the permission to be a top. Um, I see, you know, and then also the other side of a male master and a female submissive, and this is not shaming. I think that like it can be done really well. <laughs> I, I haven't really met a whole lot of people who do it well, but um, I know it must happen in in great way. Honestly, I mean, I've also seen seen that just be really not that interesting to me. That's all I'm going to say about that. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> Fair. Yeah, I mean, I I know some uh, women uh, and non-binary folks who do dominatrix work, and when they uh, tell, you know, a lot of their, like, big money-making things are, uh, like, penis-shaming, uh, and a lot of like shaming and doing it over over video and stuff. I'm like, are queer women asking to be shamed, or is that like something specific to to cis men? Yeah, I think that has to do with cis men. I have not had yeah. a lot of um, queer women look asking to be shamed. We go into We're shamed but enough. I will also like right. flip this and not say like shame it's more like we will get into humiliation play for sure which is right but yeah I don't engage personally with any kind of humiliation that has to do with targeted body parts um right of yeah of a female or non-binary person that said you know getting into you know fun slut talk you know fun dirty talk um, piggy talk, doggy, you know, whatever it is, or humiliation of the body in a way of having that person need to do something when they are in bondage that they clearly can't do, you know, because I've restrained them um, or, you know, doing things like with different like sensory play that they like, can go into humiliation, um, but not necessarily, I don't really, you know, for my personal practice, I don't attack anybody's identity so much yeah 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 i feel like carolyn's going through a list of questions that she's going to put in a way that serves the greater good but is the really personal no uh, as she gets on her kink journey no i see i don't even i don't i'm sure i will be on some sort of uh, kink journey, but I do like hearing other people's kinks makes me feel very uh, vanilla is the term that mm. um, I'm also, you know, people are like, oh, are you vanilla? And I'm like, well, that sounds like not fun. Like I have very fun sex, but do you have to be kinky to be like, I don't know. Okay, first of all, you're strawberry. <laughs> Look at your hair. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know either. I mean, I I don't think that you need to be kinky to have good sex for the rest of your life. I mean, it's really, but I wouldn't know that either. <laughs> Stop being on the other <laughs> side. So we don't know about each other. Um, that's right. what I want to say too that some people can get into kinky, you know, and I don't know. We're ta- we were talking just now about like humiliation and how people can go into deep 
parts of humiliation. Um, there are p- people who also work through trauma with kink, right? And like, this yeah. is another thing of like, how I see kink can be extremely queer in like that if you have something that you are deeply like turned on by that is shameful or has come from trauma, you can address it with somebody and actually, you know, dig in hard and go in there. And then in, in ways um, that are responsible of being able to like set up your own rituals, you can actually get in there and start to like jiggle apart, you know, the stuff yeah. that was concrete, you know, that seemed to to have laid foundations to some of the stuff that uh, that causes shame. Um, yeah, and we talk about this in terms of like there are some people who go into these kinds of kinks, shame with where it's um, repetitive, and they just seem like they're just going like they're going in a fugue, where they're not really getting out of it. Like they're just going through the same mm. session, going through the same foot fetish, whatever it is, over and over again. They're not like able to reconnect or connect with the person out of it. Um, and they're still wallowing in shame. And then there's a person where, or no, there's a practice where you can actually dig in deep, but harnessing your own agency. And then also your own, um, not only over the fact that you're going into this, this type of scenario, but that you get to understand its outcomes, um, change the outcome as well as then integrate and talk to, you know, talk to your therapist about it, talk to your lovers about it, talk to you, have community participate possibly and be able to kind of like, yeah, unearth a lot of the shit that was stuck. (laughs) Right. Is porn a good, bad, or it depends place to look for kink or like to get into kink or if you're like curious about a kink like is it a bad idea to look at porn like is porn doing it right what porn's doing a good job what porn's not what's what's your best bet sure definitely look up at aorta aorta films you know produced right here in brooklyn (laughs) so um all queer phenomenal uh, production team and who else would I recommend? I mean, I think Erica Lust has some some good stuff up there. Um, Pink Box. Um, oh, yeah. But yeah, <laughs> look up, you know, obviously look up porn that's being done by your people, by the people that, right. you, yeah. rec- that you identify with. Um, yeah. Don't go, don't just, you know. <laughs> Do not go <laughs> to Pornhub. Ju- don't just go right, exactly. And pick a keyword. Yeah. Because exactly. then there is digital trauma too, right? Like stuff that we've seen yeah. in Younger where we're like, oh. I can't get that out of, oh. out of my Rolodex. How do I get that from, how do I tear that out of my, that like, you know. How do you? Even if you do happen to find something you might like on Pornhub, you can't not guarantee that you won't see something triggering on the sidebar on the suggested oh, video. Yeah, yeah, it's terrible. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I mean, yeah. I think that it's really, I think it can be really damaging that those pop-up stuff. For sure, mm-hmm. for sure. Is, is there anything that we didn't ask that we should have? <laughs> I know it's like a huge, it's a huge discussion, but I, yeah, there's so many different facets to it. I'm like, I don't know. Did we, what didn't we talk we about? We didn't talk about kink at pride. Cause we're done with that argument. <laughs> pride starts tomorrow. Yeah, that's right. That was from last year or the past few years. Right. That they didn't yeah. want kink at pride. It's just so. Like, I feel like it's only gotten kinkier in a reaction to that 
No. It's like saying that sex workers shouldn't be at Pride or King and King shouldn't be at Pride is ridiculous. You know, yeah. I mean, yeah. these are the, the communities that brought gay marriage into where it is and brought gay equality to where it is. It's because we always had to, they always had to be out. Right. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. It's not a. And I think that the kink that's at Pride, it's like, it's very passive it, you know it's just people wearing like a, a gimp mask like what's that gonna do like you know it's not like anybody's doing a human centipede you know past stonewall until this year rainbow colors. <laughs> oh my god <laughs> cecilia and i are looking for a third for a human centipede uh Dyke March. Just kidding. Okay. Uh, <laughs> anything that is worth mentioning or any words of wisdom to leave with, with our listeners who are interested in uh, either beginning or expanding their, their journey into kink? Journey into kink. I don't think so. I think I, I said, go, go find your, you know, find community, find, find classes. Um, kink out also the organization that I, I work with or the it's not an org it's actually a collective it's just a bunch of friends we get together we <laughs> put on events right now we're doing things at Boca in LA but if you're in New York City um yeah oh. there's always fantastic stuff happening in New York City all over for for kinks so just go find find your people and um yeah pe- people that you trust what if you're not in a major city I imagine it can be maybe a little bit more challenging but to find digital candy. workshops. Maybe. Yeah. There's a, there's a whole world online okay. <laughs> you can. Yeah. And we're all on zoom now. So, um, yeah. but that said, even if you're not in a major city, there's definitely ways like sites that you can find people who are, who are kinky that meet up, you know, all over the country for what they call munches. So it's totally fun. Hmm. Two quick questions. One is the furry community considered part of the kink community or is that its own uh, beast? No pun intended. <laughs> I think the furry, com- yeah, the furry community is its own, is its own. Its thing. own whole thing. Yeah, okay. it's its okay. own whole thing. Great. I have not seen furries in the, in the queer leather, in the leather spaces. Good, yeah. good. Uh, so I'll leave my mascot costume at home. Great. Um, <laughs> just kidding. I'm not a furry. Don't start the rumor. Uh, um, <laughs> one final question for you. What part of straight culture would you like to appropriate? And that could be anything. Doesn't have to do with that King. These people <laughs> think they have a hold on. Yeah. Yeah, I've been thinking about this because we've appropriated so much so well, right? But and <laughs> because we've always been in those spaces. However, I have been thinking lately whenever I go for sushi and I'm sitting at the sushi bar, I'm like, why aren't there like hot women serving me or hot, you know, sexy binaries or even a cute, you know, flamboyant gay boy cutting up the sushi for me and serving me mm-hmm. this delicious edible mouthful of you know delight because I think that would just make it so much hotter than like what's going on right now um yeah yes. so I feel like we, we definitely need like a yeah a dyke a dyke sushi bar oh my yeah. god like ho- hooter like queer hooters for for sushi yeah <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I'm going on Shark Tank next week, so we'll pitch it. No. <laughs> there we go. Please do. 
That would be the best episode of Shark Tank. I've never Hands watched down. it, but I think that that would be it. Yep. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, thank you for the idea. Yes. Great. Uh, <laughs> and where can people follow you? And is there anything? I know you've mentioned uh, a lot of uh, different things that you have going on, but anything else that you want to plug that's coming up? Okay. So International Horror Day has just happened. So, um, but kink out events will continue to work with mocha in la to you know bring artists and activists together for continuing conversations about intersectional um queer kink and sex work so yeah just keep an keep an eye on kinkoutevents.com um you can also follow me at uh on instagram at yinq13 and i'm always yeah just littering the internet with the stuff I'm doing. Please. Thank you so much for diking out with us. And our listeners, you know, you can follow us at diking out on social media. You can follow me at TGI Carolyn. And I'm at Melody Kamali. Remember to check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash diking out. Thank you all for listening this week. See you next Tuesday. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available.